Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, tomorrow is Thanksgiving Day in Canada, which means that Canadians have probably made plans to take a holiday, maybe have a special meal together, and at least reflect for a little while about what they are thankful for. And already today, I'm sure that you are thinking about all the things that you are thankful for. And all these good things give you good reason to sing and to praise the Lord. And the Old Testament is full of examples of God's people responding to a gracious deliverance or a happy occasion with a thanksgiving song like Psalm 100 that we sang or a thanksgiving offering. But what do we do with Thanksgiving Day and how do we view it if things are not going so well for us? You see, we usually reserve a psalm like Psalm 100 that we sang together for happy occasions, but we don't feel like singing it when we're feeling down or very worried about something. And that is why Psalm 69 catches our eye. Here is a psalm where things are going as poorly for the church as they were for the suffering prophet Jeremiah who was thrown into the cistern. And yet the church still concludes that they will give thanks. It reminds us of Job after he heard of the sudden loss of all his children, his servants, his flocks, and his possessions and then he still reacted by falling on the ground and worshiping God with a psalm of praise. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Psalm 69 reminds us of the life of our Lord Jesus Christ and all the, his suffering on earth, but especially when he was hanging, humiliated on the cross with his betrayers and enemies around him and the burden of God's wrath, his father on his shoulders. And yet, he still committed his spirit into the hands of his father. We all know that it is easier to be thankful when everything is going well. But what do we do on Thanksgiving Day when things are not going so well. And this morning I preach to you under this theme, yet I will magnify the Lord with thanksgiving. We'll see how our text describes what thanksgiving looks like, points also to the difficulty of thanksgiving and the discipline of thanksgiving. So Psalm 69, if you just start at verse 30, it ends with a section in which the church give thanks to the Lord in response to the call that is found in Psalm 100, uh, verse 4, enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. It's a command. Psalm 69 follows that command. And it uses words that are very common for thanksgiving in, in all the psalms. We're not surprised by the words in themselves. Those who praise and magnify the Lord are just doing what they were made to do. 
The children of God who truly desire to praise the virtues of the Lord, they will sing. They will sing with all their heart. And if these children use the words of the psalms that we receive from the Lord in the Old Testament, they will sing songs that recount God's marvelous deeds and his faithfulness to his covenant. In Psalm 100, verses 1 and 2 that we sang, it really emphasizes the, the joyful noise that can be heard from the people of God as they sing the praise of the Lord. And we know it very well. It is wonderful to be engaged in such sincere praise and such sincere thanksgiving. And the word that is used for thanksgiving in verse 30 includes a reference to the spontaneous peace or thanksgiving offerings that were given to the Lord besides the regular atonement sacrifices. And so in the Old Testament it was common that the people would offer up a peace offering or a thanksgiving offering when a baby was born, when they had good crops and harvest, when they had blessings in their lives. They spontaneously went to the Lord and, and offered a sacrifice. And if he spontaneously went and offered a sacrifice like an ox or a bull, mentioned in verse 31, just to show gratefulness to the Lord, that would be known as a very, very generous gift. It would be comparable today to a person offering a very expensive car, say a Corvette, to, to the Lord, or a large piece of equipment like a combine or an excavator to the kingdom of God simply because he or she is thankful to the Lord. God doesn't depend on the flesh of, blood, uh, the flesh of bulls offered in sacrifice, but he is certainly pleased with such sincere thanksgiving. And so when the psalmist says, I will, I will surpass a gift like that in my thanksgiving, he's saying, I want to show to the Lord gratitude of the highest level of all my being. That's sincere thanksgiving. And the worshiper recognizes, as in these last verses, that his Thanksgiving offerings, his praise will magnify the name of the Lord. That word magnify or exalt in this context doesn't mean that we can make God's name any bigger than it already is, but rather it means that we're putting a, a magnifying glass on the work that the Lord is already doing. Our thanksgiving draws attention to the work of the Lord. As we magnify the, the work that the Lord is already doing, we make it clear to everyone around how, exactly how much the Lord means for us in our lives. We, we're lifting his name up and drawing people in to see who the Lord is. That's what thanksgiving does. It's a way of calling out to every creature like we see in verse 34, let heaven and earth praise him, the seas and everything that moves in them. The thanksgivings of God's people are one means by which the knowledge of God is spread. And in this way, the value of God's love can be applied to all kinds of different situations in life. 
And the words of our text also make it clear, verses 32 and 33, that when we praise God, when we do that, that will encourage the people around us, the humble followers of God who are around us. We see the humble will see it, and they will be glad. They, they will, your thanksgiving will revive the hearts of those who seek God. They will be reminded that the Lord hears them. He does not despise them. He is praiseworthy. And so these words make it very clear that the praise and thanksgiving of the church is always offered to God by the, the whole community as we stand in relation to one another. You see, the church is a body. And sincere thanksgiving to God considers the situation of all believers. And so just as it is very insensitive for a husband to praise God for the health and the strength that God has given to the whole church while his very own wife is lying in a hospital bed in her struggle against cancer, so also we as believers want to consider the situation of all God's people when we voice our thanksgiving to God. The Psalms are sung by all God's people throughout the ages as a body. And that is why we often sing psalms and hymns about experiences like being afraid or envious or overwhelmed or in the depths of sadness. And, and we all sing that even though we may not be facing that particularly in our own lives. We know that God's people face these things. The Lord Jesus, in the same way, he taught us to pray. He taught us to pray our Father. He wants us to understand that we are a body. And it's when we recognize the corporate nature of our praise that it comes from the body of Christ. When we recognize the, the corporate nature of our thanksgiving, that we realize that a prayer on Thanksgiving Day may be a tricky thing. What can all God's people all over the world be thankful for? How can our thanksgiving be truly sincere and incorporate, include everybody at the same time? Imagine that you needed to lead the congregation in a Thanksgiving Day prayer. What would you want to say? How would you word your prayer? Well, it's our natural tendency to think of all the good things in our lives and, and thank the Lord for them, right? So at the beginning of our count your blessing prayer, you would probably thank the Lord for your health and your family. But then you would remember the members in our congregation that have very weak health. They're suffering pain. They're fighting cancer. They're suffering from broken family relationships. And you would have to end feebly to say, well, thank you for giving us life. And then even more half-hearted, well, even, even though it's a difficult life, 
And then perhaps your eyes would turn to the traditional Thanksgiving for the harvest. But then you would remember that for the third or fourth year in a row, many farmers are finding it very difficult year. Due to the smoke in the summer and the extra moisture, they may not even manage to get their crops in. And if we're looking for great things in the economy to thank the Lord for again, we know that things have been less than ideal. And although we can find many blessings in the fact that we have food and shelter and clothing, we find that again our thanks to the Lord based on these things is somewhat half-hearted and perhaps a little disappointed. Well, thanks for the food at least. But then we think of our Brothers and sisters, right now in Indonesia, other places in the world, they, they don't have adequate food. They don't have adequate shelter. They don't have adequate clothing. And we realize that we need to be sensitive to that too in our prayer. And so our minds keep working and we think, well, maybe it would be easier to thank the Lord for spiritual things we can see in our lives. And so... We look at ourselves and we begin to thank him for our faith and we realize that as we're praying, he knows about our folly. We read about that in 69 verse 5. He knows about our folly. He knows about our weaknesses. We realize how often we slip and we fall and once again we're a little half-hearted to thank him. At least we're not walking away from the kingdom. Historically, we've also given thanks that we are able to worship in freedom. But now after the Alberta government has publicly denounced the Christian faith, we are a little more sensitive to the persecution that has existed all over the world since the Lord put enmity between the devil and his children. And as we pray that the Lord will end the persecution either by destroying his enemies like we could see also in Psalm 69 that prayer or, or bringing them to repentance we realize that it's very difficult to see very many great things to give thanks for if our thanksgiving is based on the great things that we have and the lives of the body of Christ as a whole well, we may have to cancel Thanksgiving Day again this year. Even if we have health, good relationships, a steady job, security, food, clothing, and shelter, and, and it is good to be grateful for the blessings that we receive and to appreciate how richly we have been blessed, we always do that in the context of thinking of our brothers and sisters maybe around us today, sitting in the same building who do not have what we have. And there's just so much suffering in the body of Christ. It's hard for the one healthy eye or arm or foot to be able to sincerely offer thanksgiving to the Lord as if Everyone was in the same situation that he was. Sometimes we think, well, maybe if I don't think about it, that's what God wants me to do. He doesn't want me to think about that and just to, to focus on the, the positives. But then we read Psalm 69, and the Lord is very aware 
about this inner struggle in our hearts. Psalm 69 does not shy away from the harsh realities of the life of a Christian. It prophesies what Jesus' life on earth would be like, how he would suffer the, under the attack of the devil and his allies, and then he would bear the punishment of the covenant curses that his enemies deserved. Even though he was innocent, he was obedient to God's will and everything, he, he bore the reproach that was directed to God because of his zeal, and the Lord knows about the suffering. And brothers and sisters, we can be assured to know that the command to enter his gates with thanksgiving is not a command to pretend that the mockery and the ridicule of even the lowest drunkards of society that we face as humble sinners in the midst of severe persecution and, and hatred without cause, we don't have to pretend that it doesn't exist. God can see the reproach we bear. He can see our despair. Even recognize our loneliness as foes surround us like rising floodwaters that seek to kill us with poison. God even gives words that those who are zealous for his kingdom can use to express their weariness, their despair, their distress at the suffering. The Lord knows that since people bear the shame and dishonor of the Lord, they follow. The church on earth will always be asking God to save. Save me, O God. The Lord knows we will always be asking him to protect our loved ones who honor his name. To just please answer us. It's all taken from Psalm 69. You see, the Psalm 69 captures the harsh reality of our puffy faces, our tear-stained eyes, our anxious hearts, our anger at injustice, our overwhelmed feelings like a flood, and, and, and our slippery feet that's described in the beginning verses, and, and our desire for relief and protection from enemies in God's covenant punishment of those who attack his church. God knows about our hardships. God does not think that we will be defeated by our trials. It shows us that we do not need to be crushed by our despair. In fact, Psalm 69 is the answer to the church's prayer for help. For although we may often feel that the prayer of the righteous, persecuted person could end very well at verse 29, the psalm seems like it could end at verse 29 with that, with that final urgent request, but I am inflict, afflicted and in pain. Let your salvation, O God, set me on high. Amen. But these words... Continue. This, the Holy Spirit gives us more words to say. That's a revelation in itself. These words, verses 30 to 36, which are 
The text today are words about thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, even in the midst of the hardest of hardships. In a time when we have so much difficulty finding even the beginning of a, a grateful feeling, the Holy Spirit graciously reveals that the church of God can continue with the words of verse 30. I will praise the name of the Lord with a song. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. And so even though the Lord knows all about our situation, our own folly, our own weakness, our reproach, our foes and their attacks, our parched throats as we cry to him in our distress and then wait and wait for an answer, he reveals that we can still talk about thanksgiving. Clearly, this is not the fake thanksgiving that comes from refusing to deal with the hardships and pasting on a fake smile as we stutter our way through an at least we have thanksgiving prayer, but real, genuine thanksgiving. And so how is it possible for the afflicted and those in pain, that's verse 29, the verse the cast off and the humbled seekers of the Lord, that's verse 32, the needy and God's own people who are prisoners, verse 33, to give thanks in the midst of suffering and persecution. Psalm 69 reveals that our thanksgiving does not depend on our comforts, on good things in this life, on material blessings, or even on feelings of spiritual peace in our own hearts, but it depends on the knowledge of who our covenant God is and on our faith in his promises. We know the gospel of salvation in Jesus Christ, and we know that he has conquered sin and death for all who believe in him, whether they be, whether they be uh, in the world, whatever situ wherever they may be in the world and in whatever situation they may be in. You see, thanksgiving is the act of magnifying the name of the Lord, the unchanging name of the Lord. And so there is never a time when the people of God are unable to celebrate His goodness. And although the suffering may make it difficult to praise Him, through Psalm 69, the Holy Spirit makes, it, uh, makes His children decide to engage in the spiritual discipline of thanksgiving. The declaration of being thankful in the midst of very real suffering comes from a person who believes in the Lord Yahweh, God of hosts. You can see that in verse 6. The three titles, the Lord is a confession of his absolute sovereign lordship further revealed in the ascension and the kingship of Jesus Christ, our Savior. 
The title God in all capitals in verse 6 is, indicates that we are talking about Yahweh, the, the covenant God, the God who established his covenant, who, who gives his promises today to Kyra, and we saw it in baptism. The covenant God who, who binds himself to his church and promises to carry the church on her journey. And then we read the title of hosts in verse 6. Sabaot, as you see it in the hymn of a mighty fortress, reveals that our faith in God is that God is a mighty warrior who leads the heavenly forces to eventually destroy all the enemies and, and save and protect his church. And then look at verse 13. The Lord, all capitals, uh, all caps again, is, is confessed to be abundant in his steadfast, his unfailing love. We can turn to him and look at that expression for saving faithfulness. If we are being persecuted, if we are living in misery and distress and despair, we can look at verse 13 and see that in his appointed time, he will bring an end to our suffering, either by bringing our enemies to repentance and submission or by destroying our enemies according to his covenant promises and in, restitu in restitution. Verse 16, the innocent, persecuted follower of Jesus Christ can plead on the goodness of the Lord's steadfast love to be faithful in protecting all the righteous who are enrolled in the book of the living. The starting point of the vow, the decision, the discipline, to praise and thank the Lord is found in the promise, the final promise of the psalm of, of restoration of God's kingdom. You see that in verses 35 to 36. Because we know that God the Lord is sovereign and will redeem Zion, his church, and his people, and that all who, who love him will dwell forever in the kingdom of God, our hearts can be revived. Our hearts can be glad, even if we are poor and needy here on the earth. And the Holy Spirit gives you knowledge and faith in who the Lord is so that you can look with the eyes of faith through the suffering, through the despair, and see the mighty hand of your faithful Heavenly Father that sustains you. As the church continues her prayer in verse 30, we begin with a form of the verb that is very expressive of calculated, chosen determination. That's why I chose to speak of the discipline of thanksgiving. It's because of the form of the verbs in verse 30. And we can express this deliberate decision by the way we read the final verses, by placing the emphasis on the word will. Though our eyes are puffed up with tears, our hearts are afraid. We as the church of God are mocked and ridiculed in different ways around the world since we know the Lord God of hosts and his saving faithfulness, we will praise the name 
of God with song. With tears streaming down our faces, we are determined and say, yet I will magnify him with thanksgiving because I know my Lord. I know that all things are in his control. I know that he is working to restore the fortunes of his people. And as God's people, in all our situations all over the world, we can say that we believe in the Lord. And so we are determined to be more grateful than a person who has just offered an ox or a bull or a combine or a Corvette. Although the unbelievers may be crushed to despair by the frailty of life and the violence of men so that they neither glorify God or give thanks to him, we as his people stand out from the world because even in the midst of the suffering we have made the deliberate decision to keep our eyes on God and that deliberate decision comes from our faith. And so we sing songs of thanksgiving Even though we are humble sinners living in a very broken and fallen world and suffering trials of many kinds, we count it pure joy, says James, to know the Lord is our God. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. That's Psalm 100. Yes, by God's grace, we can follow the guidance of the Holy Spirit who leads us to rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances. Brothers and sisters, our lives are in the hands of the living, eternal God. So though God's wrath against sin is fierce, though invaders attack the church, and, and though fig tree may not blossom and barren be the field, Yet we will sing and worship, rejoicing in the Lord. Let's sing together this hymn, 14, stanzas 9 and 10. It's the last part of Habakkuk. We'll sing that together right now, standing if you're able to stand.